Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Brad Report contains spoilers. This episode is brought to you by Daylight Savings. Why are we doing this again? The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us, five stars only, and make sure you subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Brad Report. Now, last week, we belly flopped out of order, forward into the MCU to begin Phase 4 with the recently concluded WandaVision, but now we're jumping back to our current timeline, to our current universe in phase two with Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm going to kick it to my co-host for this summary. After stealing a mysterious orb in the far reaches of outer space, Peter Quill from Earth is now the main target of a manhunt led by the villain known as Ronan the Accuser. To help fight Ronan and his team and save the galaxy from his power, Quill creates a team of space heroes known as the Guardians of the Galaxy to save the galaxy. Save the galaxy. That's right. And they do it. They do. They do. Through dance. Through dancing. Saving the world through dancing. Just like in Footloose. Yeah. Um, so what were your the themes that you came up with? The first theme that I really came up with uh, was family and friendship and how they the guardians are this ragtag group of people none of them really have any family or none of them have any family that they haven't lost you know drax lost his wife and daughter um peter's only family are ravagers and they're trying to kill him gamora is working for a homicidal tyrannical maniac rocket and groot just have each other and so through the bond of family and friendship they rise to the task and you know everyone's talking about all of the scars that they have uh, peter specifically with his mom dying and then being abducted but a family and friendship and how this ragtag group of people or this family that they're choosing to they're choosing to be committed to one another yeah yeah i, I mean that's kind of a similar thing to one of the ones i had it's just you know these are all deeply like troubled people and they all have something in their past that is really troubling them. Um, Gamora, like you mentioned, obviously, like Thanos is her father. Doesn't get much more troubling than that. Peter Quill lost his mother and was abduct, abduct, abducted by aliens, you know. Right after it happened. Seems pretty traumatic. Uh, we have Drax, whose entire family and I think his entire species was killed by Thanos. Is that right? I don't know about species by, part. Definitely his family. Or by Ronan. By Ronan. Who is working on behalf of Thanos. Yeah. 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 Um, and then Rocket, who is the result of evil, an evil scientist who's essentially torturing this raccoon and created into this sentient person-like being. And so Rocket's got some trauma there. And then I think Groot, correct he me if I'm wrong, the, he's the last of his species. Correct. And so they all have this this weight and this burden that they're carrying around and um, you know, they can only carry it. They only carry it well when they carry it with each other. Yeah. And they, 
they all connect to wield the power of the infinity stone. They the did, which is, which is fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good, you know, kind of culmination of that they're together and they're united in their objective, which is really cool. I guess off of that, I also had the theme of responsibility mm-hmm. because each of them in several different ways are kind of shirking responsibilities in some way, you know, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, he's just doing whatever he wants. He's not beholden to anyone, um, even the Ravagers that he is kind of beholden to. He's he's doing his own thing. He's ignoring, you know, their commands. He's going to go out and on his own. Um, Gamora is taking the responsibility to make sure that Thanos doesn't get the Infinity Stone. Rocket and Groot are just kind of their mercenaries, and Drax was a mercenary as well. Mm. But then when it push comes to shove, they're all just trying to, they all are faced with the, at the crisis moment of, are we going to leave? Are we going to try and do the right thing or do, are we going to be willing to sacrifice ourselves to try and save people and save the galaxy? And they all bear up under that responsibility. You know, they don't have to. And as uh, Peter Quill says, like Rocket's like, well, why do you want to save it? He says, well, I'm one of the idiots that lives in the galaxy. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I think another theme is is this idea or theme of like childhood trauma affecting adults. Um, James, I, I got this from James Gunn actually, so I think it's a fairly reliable. Probably, you know, reliable. I mean, he's just the director <laughs> reliable and writer. Uh, but he he tweeted one time, and I found this tweet when I was, I was looking up stuff about this movie. He said, "And the trilogy, more than anything else, is about a group of outsiders who have all experienced childhood trauma." With the exception of Drax, who is the only one with a completely positive relationship to those who raised him. Huh. So from James Gunn's mouth to our ears, Drax is the only one with a positive relationship, completely positive relationship with the people who raised him. And so you can see how for the rest of these characters, right, this the negative impacts of their parents and are just the people who raised them in general, or lack of people to raise them is I think is in Groot's Groot's case. Um, has, has caused them to be deeply troubled adults, right? Who aren't um, fully, who aren't fully mature and fully, fully developed. And so they're, and it's kind of like the whole family thing still, but they, they come together and it's through the, the shared bond that they have. They're able to kind of come to grips and make sense of, of who they are. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes the character so strong is because they're so relatable mm-hmm. with the things that they have They're So, okay. I, how would this person act? And it's just great writing, great character development, great acting. And this is how this person would legitimate legitimately act and respond in this situation. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why they stood out so far and probably why these heroes are so beloved and for our, for my rankings, at least get, a big chunk of ahead of some other people that just weren't developed that way or haven't been yet in so far in the MCU. And yeah, it's just, everybody has stuff that they went through that's affecting who they are as adults. And yeah, that's a really good, how each of them kind of diving in we spend a little time with each character Mm -hmm. figuring out what makes them tick. Yeah. And, And just them trying to, 
a lot of the a lot of the time we spend with these characters in this movie, they're trying to form their identities or at least portray a certain identity. Right. So Peter Quill is constantly in this movie, uh, reminding people he's Star Lord. Right. Like, and it's kind of a bit that they do, or that's funny. Uh, like the very first time, the uh, what, what are they called? The Kree. Yeah. Well, the Kree finds him when he's looking for the orb. He's like, "You may have heard me by my other name, Star Lord." You know, and he's yeah. never heard of him. He has no idea who he Ooh. is. <laughs> yeah. And then when he's arrested by Nova Corps, he reminds them he's Star Lord, and they're like, "Oh, Star Prince or Prince yeah. of Stars." And Star Lord, man, come on. Which is funny. It's a bit, but also I think it's him trying to shape his identity and shape his public image into what he wants. Mm-hmm. And then Rocket is going through the same thing, right? People calling him a trash panda or uh, everything a bear, except you know, a raccoon. Except a raccoon, except what he is. And, and he just he's he just feels so disrespected. He's trying so hard to cultivate this identity to other people. And so I think public perception and identity is another another big theme in this movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have any more themes? No, I mean just friendship, family, caring, identity. Yeah, this movie is a lot of fun. It is fun. All right, storytelling, space. Marvel goes into space. What did you think of of this movie? You know, because at this point it. It just kind of it's completely unconnected to anything else the Marvel Cinematic Universe had done so far, and yeah, we just what did you what did you think of the space story? Because you and I are big sci-fi fans. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I I like outer space stories. I was pretty interested to see how like how in the world these people and Captain America fit in the same universe in the same world right so because they're just so different right like captain america and Guardians of the galaxy are just polar opposites uh into the spectrum in terms of tone and and how they're portrayed and um just even like the level of fun and so just the idea of them being in the same universe is interesting but marvel does a really good job of, of making it cohesive eventually and putting them in the same story but what i did i do love about this movie is i love the music I love the 80s vibe, and the soundtrack is excellent. The soundtrack is so good. So good. Um, and the way they, they go about it is great, right? You pretty much only hear music like with, with words and songs when someone else in the movie is listening to music. And that's a little thing, but I just find that fun. Uh, the colors, the bright colors, right? And this is something that Danny from Rankings talked about when we did a podcast with them. But typically, people think of space as this kind of black, dark void. But then when you contrast that with bright colors and fun and loud music, it just makes for a really cool aesthetic. Yeah, it's super, super fun. And yeah, the aesthetic is awesome. James Gunn, man, kudos to that guy. He absolutely nails it. And yeah, I love the 80s vibe. I love like the, the like, Peter Quill's like leather jacket with the t-shirt mm-hmm. like that's a lot of fun um, but yeah I think one of the crazy things is that going into this nobody really unless you're a super comic book nerd geek um, which I think I consider myself pretty well informed but I remember when this movie came out I thought to myself I don't know who any of these people are yeah and they're definitely B or even C list heroes. 
and they made this super successful movie about it. Yeah, I think they, I think they would have been seared D-list before this movie for sure. I yeah, mean, I did, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I've read a decent amount of comic books, right? I'm certainly not the most well, well educated, well read on the comics, but I had, I didn't know who these people were. Yeah, yeah, no idea. So I'm like, who is this? And when I saw that they were going to have a talking raccoon, I said, oh, my goodness. I know. I was super worried. And the cast for this movie was interesting, too. You know, you've got Bradley Cooper. you you got Chris Pratt. you got Dave Bautista and Vin Diesel in it as well. And so I was just like, what? Or, yeah. And, and what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this was kind of like this role sent Chris Pratt into the A-list status. Sure. You know? He, I mean, he was Andy on Parks and Rec, and that was about it, you know. Right. But now he's in Jurassic World. He's doing more stuff. It's yeah, it's awesome. But um, yeah, I think even the story itself, it flows so well. The story flows so seamlessly from action scene to action scene. The dialogue works amazingly mm-hmm. well, and. It's just super, super fun. Like, I could watch this movie probably any day of the week and be totally content. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's talk about characters. We've got a fun group of characters. Uh, We'll start off with Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, played by Chris Pratt. And... Yeah, what do you think about old old Petey? Yeah, he he was awesome in this. Um, his character is interesting because he spends, if you think about it, he spends years kind of as a loner, right? He's just by himself, essentially going from place to place, working for Yondu, tracking items down for for a broker who sells it to other people. Um, and he's a loner, right? He he doesn't know how to have real interactions with other people. He he's not really sure what how how to how to handle these things, and then he gets thrown in with a group of other misfits. And Chris Pratt does a great job. He's funny. He um he got buff for this movie, which he, is fun. He got real buff. Did, so did you watch Parks and Rec? Like a like yeah. So the, he's overweight. So funny. So he was kind of chubby. You know, I mean. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was chubby, but he looked like me, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he was chubby, and he's wire. Yeah. And then he got real buff because he was on contract for Marvel and Parks. Still and doing Parks and Rec. And still doing Parks and Rec. And so they made a joke at Parks and Rec about this. That Andy, you've really, like, you've really toned up. What, what's what's the secret? He goes, uh, stop drinking beer. And then that's it. And they yeah. never mention it again. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, how much beer were you drinking? Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's now ripped. Uh, yeah. He does a great job. And I think he—he's—he's a, he's a fun actor. He's so fun like when he's in. He's so charismatic when he does like little goop. You know, he's dancing around. He's uh, in a serious situation. He's cracking jokes. He's—he's he's fun. I like him. Yeah, he's super fun. I love his character a lot. And even though you talk about how he doesn't like, he doesn't know how to do these things, and you know, he's alone or he's a loner, and then all of a sudden he's thrust in this situation, and he's the one. Yeah, that he, brings he has to be the cohesive agent. Yeah, to bring everybody together to to unite them. And yeah, he's so fun. He's so funny. His 
his his charm, his wit, his sense of humor, and even all the references that he throws in at people. Um, mm-hmm. Just like you know, um, you know, I come from a land of, of a planet of outlaws. You know, John Stamos <laughs> and Drugs is like sounds like a place I would like to visit. <laughs> the whole uh, the whole Kevin Bacon is yeah. like the big superhero is really funny. Too. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he's he's so fun, and even how just not only how how he relates with every single character, like there's something like that you can comment on. Yeah. You're just like, this is interesting how he relates to this particular mm-hmm. character. Um, but speaking of those characters, Gamora, she, she's fun, you know? I, well, when I remember when I first saw this, I thought I was like, this is like the third movie I've seen where Zoe Saldana plays a character whose parents were killed and she's on a on a vendetta. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, is she just being typecast here? Yeah. Um, But the part that was really funny was when Peter's trying to seduce her and she's like, the melody is quite pleasant. (laughs) And then she's like, you're trying to seduce me with your, your hip sorcery. (laughs) That's when I was just like, okay, there's more to this character. This is really funny. Yeah. I, I think just being the, the daughter of, of Thanos is compelling enough too. you know, just she is the daughter of the biggest bad in the universe. Yeah. And that's compelling enough. Yeah. That's super fun. Okay. What about Drax? You know, Drax is fine. He, he wants to kill everything and anything that stands in his way from getting to Ronan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he looks really cool. I love the I love the makeup for this character. Yeah, yeah. I think the like the gray skin with the red, um, like kind of tattoos. Yeah, I skin guess markings, skin markings, whatever they are. It looks really good. He, I, I can never get a sense of how powerful Drax is. Yeah. So here's the thing: in the comics, he's called Drax the Destroyer. Yeah. Or I think they call him that in, as well. I think they call in him the, in the movie. Yeah. yeah. So. They really powered him down mm-hmm. for the movie because in the comics, he was made, he wasn't born or anything. He was made to kill Thanos. Mm-hmm. And in one stretch of the comics, there's a scene, you can probably Google it, where there's a picture of Drax and his fist is through Thanos, Thanos's chest. Wow. And, but... Then you get him fighting Ronan and just getting it taken to him. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the really disappointing things. Like he talks all this big game fighting Ronan and then he gets whooped, you know, so badly. And yeah. But what did you think of Drax's sense of humor? I think he's really funny. He's super, super funny. No, nothing can go over my head. <laughs> yeah, nothing can go over my head. My reflexes are too quick. I would catch it. Um, yeah, his his sense of humor is really a highlight for me in the movie. I really, really like it. Uh, but the part that's kind of annoying is when he he's, I think that annoys me is like he talks all the big game about defeating Ronan and then he just he's like a mouse to him. Yeah. It- so I, I guess is he just like the strength of a couple a couple of men? Is I that guess. what it is? Like he's just like stronger than the average person. Strong, yeah, I guess that's what it is. Which is a bummer. Yeah. I mean, maybe give him like 
maybe he's as strong as Captain America. I don't know. You know, just sure. kind of like he's strong. His alien race is stronger than than humans. Maybe I don't know. They don't really explain it. Yeah, because sometimes he seems like he, he's really powerful, like especially when they're escaping Kiln. Yeah, and he seems like he is also super super level of strength. And then you're right when he fights Ronan, it's like okay, well he's kind of irrelevant. Or even like durable. And we're getting ahead of ourselves in the sequel when they're like dragging him behind the ship. Yeah, and they're, um, you know, he he survives right. like running into several trees, mm-hmm. um, and a, a spaceship crash. But who knows? I don't know. So. Maybe we'll get more, some more definitive answers on that in the future. All right. Rocket Raccoon. Rocket's fun. I like Rocket. Yeah. The kind of like sadistic little raccoon is fun. He Bradley Cooper, I think, does a good job. He sounds great. Sounds awesome. It can be kind of hard to... It, I, it's kind of hard to pick up Bradley Cooper's voice, like in the, not not hard to hear. It's just hard to tell that that's, that's Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. yeah. So I think he does a really good job of voice acting. Um, I think Rocket has some funny bits. You know, the whole "I need his leg, I need his yeah, eye." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when Quail goes and, and gets the guy's guy's leg, and Rocket's like, "Oh, I don't need, you know, yeah, I don't really need that." I don't That's really great. Need that. Um, what did his face look like when you asked him for it? Yeah, <laughs> he just starts giggling. Yeah, um, yeah. Rocket's great, and I love that he's like a weapons, ammunition bomb like expert. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. They do not win without Rocket. No, 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 no. Yeah, they don't escape. They don't escape Kiln without Rocket. No, basically, like Rocket's the unsung hero of the movie, and um, I mean, I could talk about this in my scenes and quotes later, but you know, he's he's incredibly jaded, mm-hmm. but he also has a good perspective that corrects the other characters and makes them honest. You know, especially with Drax and how he's. He calls Ronan to come to the kiln and basically ruins everything. Mm-hmm. And then Rocket has some very like straight lace to just like, he's like, listen, you, almost you killed, us. killed us all. And it's yeah. like, because of your pain, that's no excuse to get the rest of us mm-hmm. killed. But yeah, I really like him. I don't think Bradley Cooper gets enough credit for how awesome Rocket is as a character. I think people in general just forget Bradley Cooper is a part of the MCU. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Okay. To now on to the giving tree. Yeah. I am Groot. So Groot is awesome. I I think his character is really cool. I think his a sentient tree that is super strong and durable and can grow and stretch and do all the things he can do is really interesting. It's hard to... It's hard to love this character more than like you love, um, like you love it like a step more than you love Mjolnir. Um, yeah, in a sense, it's like, like he's he's the sidekick. He's more than a weapon, but yeah, he's, you know, he he only says three, four words technically. Yeah. So yeah, I like Groot as well. It's just like he's super. Um, he definitely has personality. He does. But even in that, it's just like, oh, you mean if someone talks about it, you're like, oh man, love that guy. Yeah. Don't know much else about him. I will say one of my favorite scenes and quotes is from him. So we'll get to that later. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to do more than be a fun sidekick when you have a limited vocabulary like that. Yeah, for sure. All right, Yondu. He's fun. Yeah. He, he he's a good kind of like 
uh, he's not the he's a good antagonist to to Quill and the Guardians. You know, they use him at one point and uh, he's not the villain, but he's definitely not working with Quill or the Guardians for the whole movie. I like the I love his little whistle power oh, era. It's so cool. Um, I, I don't know if they ever really explain what it is or how it works, but it's so cool. Yeah, he I remember watching the movie the first time. The the arrow just kind of flies up mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of freaks out. And I thought, that's so lame. And then later later yeah. you just you understand why everybody was so scared. When he uses it to kill like 30 guards that are around him and wreck a ship and wreck a ship. You're like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. That That's, makes sense. Yeah. That makes cool. sense. Now it's very cool. Okay. Uh, Ronan, the accuser. Yeah. Yeah. There are parts where I thought, okay, there's more dynamicness to this villain than other villains. Sure. But at the same time, if we could have fleshed that out more, yeah, that what, would have been better. What do you think of the his, I guess, costume slash makeup design? Well, he's an alien, so sure. I thought it was okay. I don't know. He he just looked, I didn't love it. He just looked weird to me. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I get he's an alien, but like so is Drax, and I thought Drax looked great. Yeah, but Ronan to me, just, I think uh, I mean the war paint kind of like on his face and yeah. like down into his mouth. That was kind of weird because I think. He's just he just has blue skin, and everything else is is paint on him. But I don't know. I think, yeah. Why why is this homicidal zealot that is the this person in the creed that functions as a, a judge, jury, and executioner? Why is he so hell bent on destroying Xandar and? all of these people, you know? Well, I don't think they've been at war for thousands of years. Yeah. But it just seems like, okay, this, everybody kind of knows that he's kind of on his own. You know, they even mentioned that he's, he's committing war crimes and the, uh, the Kree empire aren't holding him accountable to anything. So what are they doing? You know, he's, he's okay. Uh, But he is the main villain, which, goes to show once again marvel has a villain problem yeah but we also get introduced to thanos so let's i mean he doesn't do much in this movie but let's talk about him real quick yeah what did you think um, this is his first outing yeah i think not much honestly like he, yeah. he, he has the moment where he you know he clearly is intimidating to ronan which i think is impressive right even if Ronan isn't the greatest villain uh, in the MCU, which, I mean, he certainly isn't. But even if he isn't that great of a villain, you can tell he's very powerful, at least. And Ronan, in the beginning, at least, is scared of him. And Nebula is very clear, like, you're not going to win this fight. Like, don't even. This isn't worth, worth yeah. the effort. So he's clearly powerful, and he's clearly hunting these stones, um, which sets the course for the next however many movies. Right, and so I, I like that they kind of laid out the whole the the importance of the Infinity Stone to to the big bad, but I mean it's hard to really think much about. He gets like what one line, two lines? Yeah, a few lines, not much. Yeah, I think that one of the things I guess the way they explain it is okay. If these things are so important, why wouldn't he go and get the Infinity Stones himself, himself? Yeah, which he ends up doing. Right, but why outsource all of these things, anyways? 
I mean, I don't know what else he's doing, but anyways, but yeah, that's that. Yeah, he's fine. He it definitely it does. I don't even think it gives a hint of accurate depiction of what's to come. No, it it, it just it just lets you know that he is looking for the Infinity Stones. That's all you really know. Yeah, exactly. All right, quotes and scenes. We'll do popcorn style. What do you got? So for quotes, um, first quote I'm going to give is from Peter Quill, and it's at the end of the movie when him and Ronan are staring down. They've been fighting. Um, he has come to Xandar to destroy, and they've been fighting and all this jazz, and they're back on on the ground. And this is after the ship had been crashed and all that stuff. And Peter just starts dancing. Yeah. And Ronan's like, what are you doing? And the quote is, dance off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when they're first one I have is when they're getting taken into the kiln. Hmm. Groot says, I am Groot. And Peter Quill says, Well, that's just as fascinating as the first 89 times you told me that. What is wrong with giving tree here? And Rocket says, Well, he don't be talking good, no talking good like me and you. So his vocabulistics is limited to I and am and Groot exclusively in that order. He says, Well, I'll tell you what, that's gonna wear real thin, real fast, bud. That's a good one. Oh man, yeah. Rock Rocket's uh, his loyalty to Grinch Gate. All right, my next one's from Gamora, and she says, "I'm going to die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy." Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, there's so many quotes; it's so hard to choose. Uh, Peter, when they're in the kiln as well, yeah, I'll have to agree with the walking source on that one. He says, "Don't ever call me a thesaurus." <laughs> he says, "It's just a metaphor, dude." His rocket, his people are completely literal. Metaphors go over his head. Nothing, Nothing goes, goes over, over my head. head. My <laughs> reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Mm. Uh, so, this is a good one. Rocket and Peter are talking about like, why do we have a responsibility to do this? And Rocket says, What did the galaxy ever do to you? Why would you want to save it? Peter says, Because I'm one of the idiots who lives in it. Yeah. Um, I really like when after they visit the collector and they figure out that it's like, oh, what's going on with the stone? Like, and then Peter and Gamora, like Rocket and Groot had like jumped out of there and Peter shows up and Gamora is holding the orb and Rocket just says, what do you still have it for? (laughs) So Gamora... We're just like Kevin Bacon. We're just like Kevin Bacon. That's so great. Let's see. Uh, what else? Um, I'll give one more. Okay. Gamora says, I have lived most of my life surrounded by my enemies. I would be grateful to die surrounded by my friends. Yeah, that's good. I think the one that I re- really remember the most because of how much it stood out to me, which was counter to every movie revenge story that I've ever seen at that point was when Drax was talking about, I was trying to avenge my daughter, my wife and daughter after um, he, after he loses and then Rocket's just, Oh, boo hoo, (laughs) my wife and child are dead. And Groot goes, and he's like, Oh, I don't care if it's mean. And he's like, everybody's got dead people. It's no excuse to be getting everyone else dead along the way. And that was like, I don't know if every revenge movie that I'd seen is people were like, Oh, 
they're seeking revenge because these people are like their actions are justifiable no matter what they do. Mm. And Rocket just really is like, no, you can't do that. Like we we matter. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, this is a, a good quote to me. It's a funny quote between two of the the guards, the Novacore guards. They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxies. What a bunch of a-holes. Yeah. Um, one of my funniest is like where they're going to Xandar to try and save the day. And he says, he said he may be an a-hole, but he's not, and I quote, 100% a dick. <laughs> and she's like, do you believe him? He's like, well, I don't know if anyone's 100% a dick. <laughs> It's like, no, do you believe he's here to help? And he's like, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's that actor's name? It's uh, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. He's, I like him in this. It's funny picturing him as this like military officer. Yeah. I uh, just because some of the other roles he plays, but he's good in this. He's funny. Yeah. All right. You ready to give us some scenes? Yeah. I mean, there's so many scenes. What do, what do sure. you have first? Um, I'll, I'll start with one of the very first ones. The come and get your love scene. Ah, so when he's good. getting the orb and he's singing. He's put he puts on the Walkman and he sings starts singing Come and Get Your Love. And he's just dancing around and he eventually gets the orb and captured by the by uh, no he doesn't get captured. They he escapes. Almost yeah. Captured. yeah, yeah. But um just him walking around dancing and he's pick, picks up the little space lizard and starts singing with it. It's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, every scene in the kiln is is super super funny you know getting arrested doing the lineup shots uh but when they when they make their prison break like that is so awesome especially when rocket's sitting down with peter and gamora and he's like all right this is what we're gonna do but whatever we do we gotta make sure we get this thing last yep. and then Groot just rips it out is like or we could get it first and just improvise right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the escape from killing too so that's good um everything about that that scene is good the fighting is awesome the jokes are funny it's a great scene uh next scene i'll say and this is probably my favorite scene of the whole movie is the we are Groot scene ah so beautiful um, and this is, it is hard to make a character who only says four words have an emotional impact like this i think but they do a great job of in this moment it's very sad it's um you know the, the ship is crashing they're all going to die then groot slowly forms this this protective sphere shell, shell thing. thing around all the guardians to in order to protect them yeah. and he does he sacrifices himself in order to to save the guardians and Rocket say, no, Groot, you can't do this. You'll die. And, you know, we are Groot. Yeah, does it anyway. It's beautiful. I think, uh, yeah, that's so good. Another one is when they're at nowhere. Mm, yeah. And they're united, but they're definitely separate. And they're all doing things towards one another, especially Drax and Rocket. And then even Peter and Gamora, where they're interacting, they're trying to work together, but they're still doing things that hurt one another. Um, especially relating to their trauma and how Drax calls him vermin and Rocket is so hurt by that. He just, it just comes out as anger, you know? Um, and then later how at the end of the movie, like 
Drax is like petting Rocket after Groot sacrificed himself and he's replanting him. And then how, you know, they're all going their separate ways or wanting to split the money. And then at the end, they're a team, you know, they're working together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, one of my, another one of my scenes, you mentioned this before, when they all have to bond together in order to contain the power of the, the Infinity Stone, right? It's the only way they can truly have the power um, enough to where they, they live and survive. It's, it's a really, really cool moment. And then my, my last scene is just um, when they're aboard the Milano ship and it's, it's the moment later in the movie where they kind of, they all come to the conclusion that, oh, I'll fight for the people on the ship. And it, it's, it's enough. I'll fight for them. Yeah. So getting into some questions, we've got three. So if you had to pick one of the guardians, one of the five to go on a mission with you, who would you choose? I can only pick one of the five. Only pick one. So I think in terms of, I think Rocket would help me be the most successful. Because mm-hmm. I think Rocket would be better at things that I would be like weaker at, mm-hmm. just in terms of like knowing how to use all these guns and all this stuff like that. Uh, so I think Rocket would come in handy the most. Yeah, I picked Rocket as well. Ah, yeah. So because he's just he can he can fly, he can build stuff, he can do all of these things. He knows how to work tech. And he's funny. And he's, he's funny. He's yeah, he's funny. He's smart. Um, yeah. So who would be the last one that you would want to take on a mission with you? Oh, Drax. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, feel like Drax would try and kill me. Yeah, Drax scares me. <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't talk to Groot, really, but I, I wouldn't be scared that Groot would kill me. Yeah, if I couldn't have, you know, Rocket, you know, Peter or Gamora would yeah. be fine. You know, I could be sure. able to get along with them. This would be my second and third picks. But, like, Groot, I'm like – all right, I, I don't know, just like tell him what to do, but like Drax is probably the one that's going to be working against me more than, more than right. working for me. Okay, last question before we get into our MCU rankings. Who has the best performance in this movie? Uh, it is either, it's either Chris Pratt or... Oh, I'm trying to find her name. I don't want to mispronounce it. Uh, Zoe Saldana. I think it's one of those two. I think Gamora is really great in this movie. And I think Chris Pratt as well. But also, like, uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, it, it's hard It's hard for me because I don't know. I, I can't really judge voice acting versus, versus like, just full on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give it to Peter Quill or in, uh, Chris Pratt and call it a day. Yeah. I, I think Chris Pratt, because so much of the movie hinged on his delivery and his comedy and yeah. charisma. But Rocket Raccoon, I think, you know, he did a great job, but Gamora was good as well. Okay. So for MCU rankings, so for our listeners, this is a review that we're going through all of the Marvel movies that we've uh, reported on so far. And we're ranking all of the heroes, the villains, and the movie as a whole. Um, so we are going to get right into it. Um, I'll go first. So I have number one. Um, Captain America is still sitting pretty high after the Winter Soldier. 
The Black Widow. Number three, Iron Man. Number four, Rocket Raccoon. Number five, Star-Lord. Number six, Gamora. No, number five, Gamora. Wait a second. Yeah, six Gamora. Seven Drax. Eight Groot. Nine the Hulk. Ten Thor. Eleven Falcon. Twelve Hawkeye. Thirteen War Machine. Okay. For my heroes, I had number one, Iron Man. Number two, Star-Lord. Number three, Captain America. Number four, Rocket. Five, Gamora. Six, Black Widow. Seven, Falcon. Eight, Drax. Nine, Groot. Ten, Hulk. Eleven, Hawkeye. Thirteen, Thor. Fourteen, War Machine. War Machine. Poor guy. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Hey, he was there for Tony, though, in those two movies. He was there for him. Um, All right. Villains. I have... See, I feel like the my top three are really strong, and then the rest I'm like, they're all kind of like a wash, you know? Okay. With my villains, sure. I'm just like, I don't care. Still got to put them somewhere, though. Got to put them somewhere. All right. Um, number one, Loki. Number two, Red Skull. Number three, Obadiah Stane. Uh, number four ronin number five alexander pierce number six whiplash vanko number seven abomination number eight aldrich killian number nine malekith okay my villains are number one loki number two aldrich killian three obadiah four ronin five red skull six alexander pierce seven ivan bonko eight abomination and nine malekith our old Aldrich Killian is the biggest difference in our list right now. Yeah, he's the only one that's a true, like, whoa, what? Yeah, outlier difference. Okay. Movies. I have man, this one really I really struggled with okay. my ranking on this one, but anyways, okay. Number one, I have the Winter Soldier. Number two, Iron Man. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four, Captain America First Avenger. Number five, The Avengers. Number six, Iron Man 2. Number seven, Thor. Number eight, The Incredible Hulk. Number nine, Iron Man 3. Number 10, Thor, The Dark World. Hmm. Iron Man 3 is going to be our big difference, right? As of right now. Yeah. I may change it later. So I have number one, Iron Man. Number two, Guardians of the Galaxy. Three, Winter Soldier. Four, The First Avengers. Five, Iron Man 3. Six, Captain America, The First Avenger. Seven, Iron Man 2. Eight, Thor. Nine, Incredible Hulk. Ten, Dark World. Uh. So Captain 3 and we don't like, I don't like Captain America, The First Avenger nearly as much as you. Yeah. And yeah, I've been sitting on Iron Man 3. I think I may have been too harsh in my reflections yeah. on it. I've been sitting on it. So we'll we'll see if I can change that up uh, the next what's our next episode? I don't know. Is it whatever's next in the uh, is it Age of Ultron? It's either Ultron or Live Civil Googling. War. We don't even know our own schedule. <laughs> I think it's Age of Ultron, right? Sounds right. And then Ant Man, then we'll be done with phase two. No, we got a little 
Yeah, there's more movies in phase two than that. Mm, I don't think so. So did oh shucks, this gave me a different. It's gonna be the chronological order. Phase two, two live googlings. Um, yeah, Age of Ultron's oh. next, and then Ant Man, right. and then we'll be done with phase two. Wow, look at that. Okay, overall reflections, final grade. I gave this one an A. Um, obviously, I. I I mean, I almost put this in my top spot, sure. but I was like, it's not, I mean, the first Iron Man is so iconic. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was, I'm even now questioning if I should have put the Winter Soldier over it, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's, this movie's great. The the music, the tone, the dialogue, the characters, everything about this movie is just, it's so solid. Yeah. I don't think there's anything I can really say that you haven't said already, right? That this movie is fun. It's unique. It's quirky. Uh, really enjoy it. And uh, I give it an A+. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for another episode of The Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000. <laughs>